what they've witnessed as they've been walking through these different houses, these different communities. Uh, babies, their heads cut off. That's what they said. Gunned down. Families completely gunned down in their beds. <laughs> It's hard not to get emotional watching uh, those clips from Israel and then from the steps of Australia's own Opera House on what will be a night of infamy and a night of shame for our nation. Those were the scenes I never thought I'd see in my country. Hello, I'm Lyle Shelton. Welcome to the program. The War Against Israel by Islamist Terrorists dominates this week's program. In a moment, I'll speak to my friend Barry Rogers, who has close ties with the nation of Israel and travels there regularly. But first, to awake to news the other day on my X feed, my Twitter feed, of 40 babies beheaded by Hamas animals at a kibbutz in southern Israel was beyond shocking. It deepens my sense of shame as an Australian that supporters of this were allowed to chant gas the Jews, F the Jews on the steps of the Opera House on Monday night. 40 babies beheaded, Allah Akbar. That Channel 9 would run a puff piece with the pro-terrorism organiser of the Town Hall and Opera House rallies, Asala Sayera, was just insane. We are also feeling proud, proud of the resilience and the resistance of the Palestinian people. Why did you think it was important to have a march in Sydney last night? It's important to on the streets of Sydney last night and probably any other day because we look for every opportunity to vocalise our stance against the Israeli occupation. Now, while Asala is feeling proud of supporting Nazi-like behaviour, a Victorian MP Moira Deeming remains unjustly suspended from the Parliamentary Liberal Party after being falsely accused of being a Nazi sympathiser. Yet the real Nazis, those who uh, stand up on the steps of the Sydney Opera House and call for an actual Holocaust in 2023 by killing the Jews from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, get a free run on mainstream media. What was Channel 9 thinking? What has become of Australia? The New South Wales Labor government's hapless police minister, Yasmin Cately, who should resign, and uh, who also laughably has in her title of police minister and minister for counter-terrorism, what a joke, she allowed the terror supporters to march to the Opera House, burn the Israeli flag, and let off flares and chant murderous slogans while telling Jews to stay at home because the streets of Sydney were not safe for them. Will hate speech laws be invoked against those who, who rallied on Monday night? I doubt it. Yet people like me are being dragged through years of litigation under the same hate speech laws for saying LGBTIQA plus drag queens are dangerous role models for children, which they are. Yet those calling for 
death and genocide against Jews, they won't be up on hate speech charges. They won't be dragged through tribunals for the next three years. In the world of modern woke, justice and truth are dangerously inverted. At his media conference on Tuesday, the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, was more worried about Islamophobia breaking out than Australian Muslims calling for a 21st century Holocaust. The United Nations and the Jewish conspiracy uh, that has have uh, links to and promote uh, anti-Semitism. I'm concerned about the rise of anti-Semitism. I'm concerned as well about uh, Islamophobia, uh, which has impacted in this country as well. Now, notice how Albanese's reference to anti-Semitism had nothing to do with the anti-Semitism on the steps of the Opera House. He was deflecting in classic polyspeak to make a point that, in his view, the real problem was anti-Semitism from the right-wing conspiracy theorists, not the Muslim terror supporters at the Opera House. Well, PM, I don't know about you, but I'm scared of Muslim fanatics with police protection standing on the steps of the Opera House calling for the murder of Jews. And as the Australian Jewish Association said this week, if anyone thinks they will stop at going after Jews and not go after the rest of us, they are kidding themselves. Our Jewish population is also scared, having been told by the police to stay off the streets for their own safety. Some of the Jewish community even told their children not to wear their school uniforms for fear of reprisals. Are they irrational Islamophobes, Mr. Prime Minister? Now, the former Prime Minister, John Howard, leadership, rightly tells Labor to stop pussyfooting around terrorism. John Howard said this, to have people chanting those things, gas the Jews, F the Jews, it is a catastrophic dissent from civility that I never thought I'd see, end quote. Me too, Mr. Howard. Yet the Australian National Council of Imams remains silent. When I last checked their website yesterday, there was still not a peep of condemnation of Hamas terrorism. Their last media release on October 8 talks about Israeli occupation. What a nonsense. The Palestinians have been offered land for peace a million times during my lifetime, and each time they reject it because their true aim is killing Jews. Israel must protect its citizens in circumstances like this and has every right to do so. The old saying has never been truer. That is, if the Palestinians laid down their guns, there would be peace. But if the Israelis laid down theirs, there would be no Israel. Asala Sayera on Channel 9 revealed what too many Australian Muslims and their leaders think of Hamas. The police have said they will review security footage from last night. They've warned that charges could be laid, particularly if there were people supporting Hamas because it's declared a terrorism organisation in Australia. Are you worried you could see people charged from last night? You know, I'm not really surprised with this, you know, um, possible investigation or investigation that will be taken by the police because, once again, Hamas is framed as a terrorist organisation. Hamas is framed as a terrorist organisation? I think they frame themselves. Poor Hamas, victims of a vast right-wing conspiracy. Ignore the rapes. 
the baby killing, the mutilation of bodies while indiscriminately murdering and kidnapping. Any Western Sydney Muslim leader worth their salt would immediately repudiate Sayara's characterisation of Hamas and reassure, and reassure the rest of us Australians that Islam rejects terrorism and that it is a religion of peace. Or is it? Not according to another Western Sydney Muslim leader, Sheikh Ibrahim Dadaun, who recently prayed at an event attended by Albanese. He's no fringe ratbag. Well, not entirely, he's a ratbag. He worked as the director of the public relations at the Australian National Imams Council for three years. On Sunday night, while the bodies were still warm, he was on the streets of Lakemba, proclaiming in front of hundreds of local Muslims his happiness at the slaughter of young people at a music festival. I'm smiling and I'm happy. I'm elated. It's a day of courage. Absolutely despicable. Now, I want to believe that the majority of Muslims, Australians, are here because they love our nation, are part of it, and are truly people of peace. But when the former PR officer of their Imams Council supports terrorism and the council itself remains silent, a foreboding sets in. Many Australians must now be wondering if we've made a mistake in being so welcoming. To New South Wales Premier Chris Minns' credit, he has apologised to the Jewish community for Monday night's debacle. But Australia's night of shame must not be allowed to stand. Please, Mr Albanese and Mr Minns, don't let the Australian Nazi Hamas supporters win. Relight the Opera House in the colours of the Jewish state's flag, but this time do it for a month. Lead a vigil there. We will come. Civil society will support you. Well, joining me now is my friend Barry Rogers from Helladon in Queensland's Lockyer Valley. Barry, more importantly, is a close friend of the nation of Israel, having travelled there many, many times. He's led two reenactments of the Australian Light Horses charge on Beersheba, including the 100th anniversary reenactment in 2017, attended by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Australia's then Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. He was also awarded the Order of Australia for his work in military history. Barry, welcome to ADH TV. What did you make of the scenes on the steps of the Opera House this week? Well, it was uh, horrific. I couldn't believe my eyes, uh, Lyle, that um, there would be such support in this Australia, in our, our own country for the brutality, the barbaric brutality that we saw on our screens. Uh, to realise that Hamas is in our midst uh, was very, very concerning. Also mm. concerning was the fact that there was a quite a liberal sprinkling of uh, liberal students, uh, left-wing students, and the occasional Aboriginal flag. Uh, it was a, a, a toxic mix. 
Yeah, it sure was. Uh, you say Hamas in our mix, but perhaps it was even ISIS in our mix, in our midst. Um, Barry, you've, yes. you've spent a lot of time in Israel. And uh, look, I know a lot of people will be confused about these ancient hatreds and this conflict. But um, just to help our viewers understand, what is the genesis of this conflict between the Palestinians and the Israelis? And why is it seemingly so intractable? I think essentially at its core, it's uh, a religious uh, conflict, uh, Lyle, not so much about land or about race or uh, occupation, uh, all those kinds of things. Um, it's essentially about a religion that is diametrically opposed to Zionism and incidentally uh, opposed to uh, Christianity. The co-founder, Hamas uh, Mahmoud al-Zahar, said we're out to eliminate Zionism and treacherous Christianity globally. So that's a bit of a frightening statement as well. So at its core, I believe it's religious. I think one of the things that may have spurred this on was the uh, peace uh, uh, treaties that are being made uh, by Netanyahu with Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia being, of course, uh, the heartland of um, the Islamic world with Medina and Mecca there and it was all too much for them and it uh, it's just got out of hand. Mm. So, it's a religious war, I think. So that, that explains then why over many decades of my life as someone who's been watching Middle East politics, various uh, two-state solutions, various accords in the past, I remember Yasser Arafat uh, back in the day, uh, none of these have ever borne any fruit and, and you're saying that's because at the heart of it, it's religion and Hamas in this extreme version of Islam uh, will have no truck with any Jews at all existing in the land of Israel. Is that really why this uh, issue doesn't seem to progress and why no resolution uh, is ever forthcoming? Oh, I think it's so. It's, uh, it's, at their, it's in their constitution. Um, someone was, uh, Hamas was challenged about that recently and said, oh, well, it's in our constitution, but that's just an historic document. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, but it certainly does mean uh, something, and you can see it in their actions. Um, they just don't want any Jews uh, at all in that region. And the song is being uh, sung uh, frequently right around the world, uh, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And that's what they're after, complete annihilation of the Jews. Yeah, well, it was horrific to hear that being chanted outside Sydney Town Hall uh, just a few moments before the infamous rally on the steps of the Opera House. As you say, we've got Hamas and perhaps ISIS amongst us. Um, Barry, we, we've been hearing obviously a lot about Hamas, but um, on the West Bank, uh, so the Hamas is the Gaza Strip near the Mediterranean Sea. On the West Bank, <laughs> the Jordan River, um, the Arabs there ruled by the Palestinian Authority. What can you tell us about them and why are they different to Hamas or, or are they different to Hamas? Uh, they're only different in the matter of a degree, I suppose, Lyle. Um, Hamas is very, very strong in the West Bank, uh, and that's one thing that uh, worries the Bush, that, um, that Hamas will take over, and I think that's inevitable that that will happen. They're diametrically opposed uh, to to um, Israel being where they are. They may make other noises, but that's their clear intent. And uh, even in the midst of Jerusalem, um, Got a friend there, a mutual friend, Joy Halen. Mm. She was telling us that uh, right outside her door, there were uh, Arab neighbours cheering the sirens going off, cheering the rockets coming over. Um, 
you know, over 50% of all those living in Israel and in the West Bank support Hamas, uh, according to latest polls. So it's pretty worrying. That's frightening. And of course, uh, our friend Joy, who you just mentioned, uh, she actually lives in an Arab quarter of Jerusalem, um, uh, expat Australian living amongst the Arabs. That would be uh, chilling, I'd imagine, for her to see that uh, in her, amongst her neighbours. Yes, yeah, she's... Uh, Keeping her head below the parapet, I can tell you that. And uh, it's very, very concerning when uh, they're cheering on this utter brutality, this barbaric brutality. It's it's hard to understand. It's unfathomable. Barry, um, we we hear a lot, and um, this is what concerns me, the um, National Imams Council of Australia, uh, other supporters of of Palestine, uh, talk about this occupation. Is that an accurate description of what Israel is doing uh, on Palestinian land? I don't believe it's accurate. Uh, I think it it should be regarded as disputed land more than occupied land. Um, If you go right back to uh, the Balfour Declaration that was uh, reaffirmed at the Oslo Accords, all of that area was uh, was designated for the, the to be a Jewish homeland homeland and the, the Arabs have been offered on at least six occasions uh, a big slice of that land for a two-state solution and every time they've rejected it they want the lot yeah and, and that, that of course explains why we're getting nowhere and of course their means is terrorism and a manipulation of international opinion Barry what's been um, Iran's role in all of this? Well, they're, they're the uh, the puppeteer pulling the strings. That's quite clear, and uh, they have been supplying uh, weapons and um, and training uh, to Hamas and those in the in the region. And one of the things that I find uh, very surprising, Lyle, is how the Israelis were caught unawares. Mm. I mean, they have uh, satellite imagery that uh, can see a frog crossing the road. Uh, cameras right along the border. They have a spy network in Gaza. Um, their intel and cyber uh, surveillance methods are, are, are second to none, um, yet they were caught asleep at the wheel. Uh, and they should have known that if they were going to be attacked, uh, that would be on an occasion like this with the distraction of a major holiday. But they were caught unawares and there's going to be a lot of explaining to do, Lyle, and there's a number of theories floating around as to why this occurred from uh, just people being asleep at the wheel and a a dereliction of duty on on part of the commanders to even, uh, God forbid, betrayal on the part of some commanders, political unrest that uh, there's been in Israel, there's been some disaffected military officers, maybe that's the reason. Others suggesting a major cyber attack coming from uh, um, Iran completely uh, disrupted things. There's also a theory going around that Israel did know and were prepared to let it go on a small scale, hoping that they could contain it and then the world could see that Hamas was serious about uh, attacking them. A little bit like, I suppose, uh, two protagonists in the schoolyard wanting to have a bit of a go at one another and one says to the other, well, um, all right, have a go. You can have the first punch if you like thinking that their opponent won't do too much damage. 
Uh, mm. And then that gives them suggest, uh, justification for that. Well, they started, I'll finish it. Mm. I don't know. All these theories are going around. The truth is, Lyle, we just don't know. Yeah, well, I'm sure that'll uh, be for another day. I guess in the in the meantime, Israel's got to ensure that its civilians are safe. And I guess one of the big threats uh, is that from the north, um, where again, Iranian-backed Hezbollah terrorists, uh, tens of thousands of them, I understand, uh, they're ready to attack. And there's already been some shelling over the northern border of Israel. What happens if Hezbollah do attack from the north? Can the Israelis fight on multiple fronts uh, as they've done in the past? Well, I think they can, as you point out, they have done in the in the past. I think one of the things that's things that are holding Hezbollah back is the precarious economic situation in Lebanon, and uh, Israel could take out a lot of uh, infrastructure very, very quickly there that would uh, make life uh, absolute hell for those living in Lebanon. And they're a bit worried about that aspect of it. I think that's probably holding them back. But it's clear that they're barracking Hamas on. And I would say itching to have a go at themselves with the huge rocket arsenal that they have aimed at Israel. Are we looking now, Barry, at, um, you know, weeks, months, uh, you know, protracted conflict as uh, a ground occupation of Gaza takes place? Um, How do we see a resolution to this? How how does this play out from here? Um, Obviously, Hamas is never going to come back as a political entity. Um, How do... How does this get resolved? How do Israelis and Palestinians find a rapprochement and a way forward in the long term? Well, it's uh, it's uh, very interesting, Lyle. I I think it will take a miracle, uh, but Israel is the land of miracles, so we we just don't know. But uh, how do you destroy an ideology that's embedded in millions around the world, um, Lyle? That's the thing you can get rid of the uh, the leaders. Of Hamas, but what about all the clerics preaching this hatred uh, in their mosque? Are you going to get rid of them as well? What about the school teachers uh, teaching uh, indoctrinating young young students um, horrible things about Israel? How are you going to get rid of all of that? And uh, what uh, disturbs me in where this may end up going, as uh, Greg Sheridan pointed out, it's unpredictable the outcome of this. And the the social Marxists around the world, uh, I think, um, are seeing this possibly uh, because of the chaos theory, I suppose, as a pathway forward to uh, a new world order if things get really, really bad. And I think that's why they're joining these rallies. I think they want to see this uh, turmoil continue and get to a point where uh, they see the fall of um, uh, Judeo-Christian foundations and our Western way of life completely fall. No, I think that's right, Barry. And I think, you know, John Howard, our greatest uh, statesman, uh, said this is really a war against democracy itself. And I think you're quite right. Um, you know, we're seeing the left of politics line up with um, the supporters of Hamas. And that uh, is very chilling and frightening for all of us. Uh, Barry, unfortunately, that's all we have time for. But I uh, really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing uh, your deep insights into the nation of Israel. Uh, thanks very much. My pleasure. Thank you, Lyle. Well, joining me now, as always, to discuss the latest in the LGBTIQA plus's political movement, 
War Against Girls, Women and Children is Kiralee Smith of Binary. Kiralee, welcome. Uh, Kiralee, the New South Wales homosexual MP, Alex Greenwich, seems to be pulling the strings of the Minns government. There was some talk that his so-called conversion therapy bill, which of course is a Trojan horse for so much more, was to be delayed. Uh, What's the latest that you're hearing? Oh, look, Lyle, it's a dog's breakfast, to be quite honest, you know. He um, he insists that it will be debated, uh, tabled and debated before the end of the year. Labor are saying, no, we don't want that bill. We're going to write our own bill and we won't do it till next year. Um, and uh, thankfully, a lot of people in New South Wales, uh, led by the Australian Christian Lobby, uh, Binary and others, have been uh, contacting MPs and saying this is a disastrous bill for our children in particular to put them, um, you know, the only one who wants to convert anyone is Alex Greenwich and that's, that's he right. wants to uh, you know use the lie that someone can change their sex or convert to another sex and they absolutely and utterly cannot that is a lie and we want to protect children from harmful practices that put them on uh, drugs that have not been uh, tested or approved for this use we want to uh, protect them from irreversible harm and we want to be honest with our children and help them embrace who they actually are not some lie that they can change their sex or their gender on a whim uh, because they feel like it. Yeah, and let, let's just uh, again remind our viewers, I know we've talked about this on the program before, but we've got to keep reminding people that um, all of us are against conversion therapy, if that's electric shock treatments or coercing someone into doing something they don't want to do, of course, um, no problem there. But as you say, he's the only one trying to convert anyone and he's making it illegal based on the Victorian legislation, which the Liberal Party down there supported, uh, which jails parents and counsellors and anyone who tries to stop a child undergoing all the things that you've just so eloquently described. That's the real danger of this bill, isn't it? Absolutely. And there's so many medical practitioners already, you know, the bill has not passed, already so many medical practitioners afraid to treat children and the underlying issues such as autism, trauma, abuse, uh, because of fear of being accused of being transphobic or losing their jobs like Dr Gillian Spencer in Brisbane did. Uh, This is a a, a really serious issue going on when uh, doctors can't Uh, practice medicine in the way that they've been trained, the way that is evidence-based, the way that is most beneficial for the patient. And already that fear is there. If this bill passes or anything like it, uh, medical practitioners will be completely and utterly hamstrung. It will be illegal for them to look after children in the way they know is best. Uh, Parents, psychiatrists, uh, school counsellors, and so many others will also be put in the same position. It cannot pass. Uh, It's the most draconian piece of legislation. The Victorian model, of course, the worst. We've got a variation in Queensland and the ACT, but, of course, Greenwich is going for that Victorian model, which will force doctors and psychiatrists and parents to cause their children to go down these harmful paths. It's it's just uh, it's an evil piece of legislation. Um, Kiralee, moving on, and, and we'll keep you up to date with that, of course, uh, as this progresses in the next few months of this year. Um, Kiralee, Moira deeming uh, the Victorian Liberal unjustly expelled from the party for standing up for girls and women's rights is making a move uh, in the Victorian Parliament next week. This is very important. She's going to move a motion. What's this all about? 
Yeah, it is very important. She's got a big week next week. Uh, so on Wednesday, uh, there's a notice of motion to debate having an inquiry into gender clinic practices on minors. And it is a very important bill that must be, or motion that must be debated. Uh, because as I said earlier, puberty blockers are being used off label. Uh, there's been no evidence to, uh, no investigations into these gender clinic practices on minors. Um, what is What are the diagnostic processes? Is a diagnosis required? Uh, what sort of treatment is best according to evidence, according to rigorous studies? And we just don't have that information, Lyle. And so Moira has bravely put forward this motion, uh, you know, and, and it begs the question, uh, why not have an inquiry? If there's nothing to hide, then let's look into it all. Um, but I suspect that there will be a lot of opposition and pushback to Moira's uh, suggestion because uh, they know there's a lot to hide and the evidence simply is not there to support putting children through these very harmful practices. And this will come the day after on Tuesday. Moira will be hosting in Parliament House Why Can't Women Talk About Sex uh, with not just the nine of us who are in Canberra's Parliament House but a few extra uh, local Victorian women who will also share their story. So it's going to be a big for Moira and she needs our support. Okay, fantastic. Sounds like you're going down for that, uh, Kiralee, next Tuesday. That's uh, that's a great initiative. Wasn't aware of that. Um, so a big day in the Victorian Parliament next Tuesday. And we'll be watching. It'll be a real test of the Liberal Party there, particularly uh, whether her colleagues who voted to expel her from the Liberal Party party room will support this common sense motion uh, to have an investigation into these clinics which are harming children. So we'll certainly keep people up to date. We'll look forward to your report on that on next week's show. Um, Kiralee, um, on the binary blog this week, which I encourage everyone to check out regularly, um, you've reported that uh, Football New South Wales has released its new gender guidelines uh, last Friday. I take it they're not female friendly, are they? Well, look, they're just sloppy in so many ways, Lyle. Like, I guess one, you know, it's not good, but uh, they've tried to limit males in female teams by uh, insisting that those males have to undergo two years of rigorous testing to make sure that their testosterone is under 2.5 nanomoles. But let's be honest, it's not just about testosterone. Testosterone yeah. does not negate the fact that they have male frames, uh, you know, stronger muscles, uh, stronger bone density, greater heart-lung volume and capacity, so many other things. But the funny thing to me in this whole thing, Lyle, is that, you know, trans women are women if they're at a local level and don't have to prove anything, but trans women are not women if they're in the elite <laughs> level because this policy only applies uh, to the elite level. So they can't make up their mind and... Um, I just what think a joke. this what is a joke. the nonsense yep. when we keep trying to move uh, the, the line of who who is and who isn't a woman. Let's just so, get back to reality. So the, the know, little, females little, are female. Yeah, yeah. So the little girls who, who want to play for the uh, Matildas, they've got to put up with um, with boys uh, allowed, you know, who think they might be a girl, identifying that, playing in the junior leagues, yet at elite level, well, uh, reduced testosterone. But, of course, as you say, bone density, muscle structure, that's nothing to do with testosterone. Crazy stuff. And look, um, I, spoke to a, I spoke with a 47-year-old soccer player this week. She plays in a, at a community level and is forced to play against a man who identifies as a woman and um you know that she's at great injury risk because women's knees are not 
designed to do the sideways motion in the way a man does. And if she gets kicked or tackled in the wrong way with so much extra force, um, her physios have tested that men have at least 10 kilos more of force behind their kick than a, a woman. Um, and she's at risk. Why should she be at risk for the sake of a man who um, wants or wishes he was a woman? He'll never be a woman. It doesn't matter what he does. Yeah. He can never be female. Yeah, well, look, unless common sense prevails, hopefully there'll be some legal cases against the governing authorities at local level as well as elite level. Kiralee, just finally, before we let you go, um, Gymnastics Australia also, and I think we've got a photograph of a petite uh, uh, female gymnast, uh, female gymnast, um, but uh, they've made a similar move, I understand. Tell us about what Gymnastics Australia are up to. Yeah, well, look, just about every sporting organisation in Australia has been captured by this ridiculous ideology. And it's only guidelines that were given by the Australian Institute of Sports and the Human Rights Commission, yet they've all adopted them as policies. So uh, 80% of gymnasts, I believe, under, you know, who are children and, and girl, uh, teenagers are girls, now have to put up with, again, males, not just in their competitions, but in their change rooms. And that fellas can just self-identify however they like, according to Gymnastics Australia. And uh, enter into those spaces reserved for girls and women. Uh, it's an absolute abomination. It does not protect girls or encourage girls to participate in any way, shape or form. Uh, it is really sad that it's going to take injuries and uh, assaults probably to change these policies. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kiralee, a big week ahead. Um, people might want to follow you. Uh, you're prolific on Twitter or X as it's called now. How can people follow you there, particularly uh, with what you're up to with Moira in the Victorian Parliament next Tuesday? Yeah, I'm at Kiralee S. Um, you can follow me there and uh, we've got a binary Facebook page as well or you can sign up for email updates. So, um, yep, I'm always letting people know what's happening and uh, reminding everyone that, uh, well, I hope that courage will beget courage and that we need to stand firm and never concede that anyone can change their sex. Here, here. Well, we'll look forward to uh, catching up with you again next week and hearing all the news from that incredible initiative in Victoria on Tuesday. Kiralee, thanks so much for your time again. Thanks for having me, Lyle. Well, joining me now from the car park in his gym in Melbourne is Mr Fitness himself, Family First Victorian Senate, ca Senate candidate, Bernie Finn. Bernie, uh, welcome to the program. Firstly, um, look, uh, I know I'm joking around, but there's been some serious news this week. Obviously, the barbarism from Hamas and the terrible support for them here in Australia. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, look, Lyle, uh, hello to you to begin with. I, I, I've just been staggered this week in a way that I haven't been uh, um, more than more than staggered, distressed, in fact, in a way that I haven't been for many, many years when I have seen what's happened on the streets of uh, of, of Sydney in particular uh, in support, uh, the support shown uh, by um, the supporters of, of, of Hamas and uh, and the, the hatred, the hatred towards the Jewish people. Um, of of these people, uh, you know, to, to have hundreds of people outside the Sydney Opera House, an iconic building in Australia, to be chanting "Gas the Jews," I I, I never thought I would see anything like that in Australia. Um, it horrifies me. It sickens me. It disgusts me. Um, there probably aren't too many words that I can't use to describe how I feel, but. It's it's an issue certainly for Israel. It's an issue for for the Jewish people, but it's also um, an issue now for Australia. That's right. Because if we have people on our streets who feel this way that they want to kill Jews, and and here in in Melbourne we have had uh, the same thing happen where where we've had you know a carload of of, of hoons uh, going around when they were pulled up. They said we want to kill Jews. 
this this is horrendous. Yeah. This is horrific. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we clearly have a major issue ourselves uh, here in Australia. We sure do, um, Bernie, and we need our Muslim leaders to step up and show some leadership and repudiate mm, this nonsense so. big time. And, of course, Monday night is a night that will live in infamy in this yes. nation. Yes. Bernie, um, at the weekend, uh, on another topic now, uh, another one in, that's important and close to your and my heart, um, mm. you led uh, yet another very successful march for the babies. Uh, why do you and thousands of people keep turning up to keep this issue before the public? Well, we have to. I mean, it's as simple as that. We cannot allow this to die. Um, we cannot allow this issue to go away. And I, I remember the, the Minister for Women uh, at the time of the, uh, the the bill passing, she said, this issue is now over. Uh, you know, people have, people will forget this and it is just an issue that's uh, that's in the past. Well, you know, here we are 15 years later and we're still attracting thousands of people to the streets of Melbourne uh, to, um, to, to express our anger, our distress, uh, and our love, I might say, for for those women, mm. uh, many of whom are being forced uh, into uh, into having abortions. I mean, it's it, it's quite remarkable when you speak to women uh, who've had abortions. Invariably, they say, um, and and this is quite remarkable when you think the whole thing is supposedly about choice. They say the reason they had an abortion was because they had no choice. Mm. Now, um, you know, I. I feel so sorry for them. Uh, it is absolutely dreadful that they feel that they're in this situation. And uh, we, we should be doing more as a society uh, to help them. But we need laws, more than anything else, we need laws um, to protect children. Uh, I mean, we, we in, in Victoria, in New South Wales, in Queensland, in every state uh, in Australia, uh, there is no protection for children before birth. Mm. Uh, and and that is horrendous. That is that is um, that is horrific. Uh, and we've got to do something about that. Every concerned person should be doing everything they can to do it. And you know, I've I, I look at, at at Christian leaders and some other religious leaders uh, who should be doing things, uh, who aren't. And and I say to myself, well, you know, if everybody uh, who should be doing something actually did it, we'd win. Yeah, we'd, well, we'd stop the killing. We'd stop the killing tomorrow. We absolutely would. Well, good on you for maintaining the love for women who have no choice, and your love for the unborn babies, and maintaining the rage against the politicians like Daniel Andrews, who was the mm. health minister when those appalling laws came into Victoria uh, well over a decade ago. And um, you and I haven't caught up since Chairman Dan uh, exited stage Nothing. left, but uh, um, uh, obviously a good day for Victoria. But uh, not really much has changed, though. Um, his successor, Jacinta Allen, uh, just uh, cut from the same cloth. And, of course, the Liberal yep. Party, only a cigarettes paper difference, particularly on social policy. Uh, mm. So good that Dan's gone, but uh, it's still business as usual in uh, the Socialist Republic of uh, Victoria. Well, as I keep saying to people, you know, who, who complain about the two-party system, who complain about Liberal and Labor being the same, I say, well, as long as people keep voting for the Liberals or keep voting for Labor, we're going to have this situation. You've got to start looking for somebody um, who really believes in the sorts of things that you believe in and vote for them. Mm. And uh, Family First is clearly, in, in my situation, is clearly uh, in that uh, in that situation. Yeah, and obviously we're delighted uh, that you, like myself, uh, well, both of us have found a home in Family First mm. 2.0, the resurrected version of the last uh, couple of years. And um, I really wanted to unpack this with you today, Bernie, because there's a big debate amongst conservatives. You find it wherever you go to speak at meetings, as you were last night in Bendigo. I, I, yes. I get it all the time. People um, are conflicted over this strategy. Should we stay in the Liberal 
Liberal Party and try and remediate the Liberal Party. You were there for about a quarter of a century, a long 30 years, I think. 40, 41 40, years 41 I was in the Liberal years. Party. Well, you, you look years. way too young to have been anywhere for 41 <laughs> years. But uh, So you gave it a red-hot go. Um, mm. Many people are saying we should stay there, just recruit, recruit, recruit. We've seen people, I've seen people do that over the last decade or so to little yeah, effect. Yeah. Is that the strategy or is it is it too far gone and are minor parties like Family First the way to go? Well, there is there, there comes a time where you have to draw the line. Now, you know, as I say, I fought this fight for 41 years and at the end of the day, uh, they threw me out. Uh, and uh, that that's happened to Moira Deeming. Now, she's not been involved in the party for that long. She's a lot younger than I am, I might say. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they threw her out and they, they, they're throwing out uh, a number of others if they, if they get their, their way. Um, the, the fact of the matter is that the Liberal Party state divisions around Australia um, are, are, are die. If they haven't already died, they are certainly well advanced in the, in the, uh, the process of dying. Uh, it's, it's a waste of time. I mean, you put all this effort and energy into taking over a Liberal Party that's dead. Why would you do that? Honestly, why would you do that? Well, I mean, I, I'm more excited about um, joining Family First than I have been about anything for a very, very long time. And as I said to the, the good people in Bendigo, a very good crowd in Bendigo uh, last night, you know, this is, the, the Family First is the, is the party of hope. Because the Liberal and Labor parties have let us let everybody down so badly, but Family First is a party that actually believes in something, is is here for the right reasons, uh, is not about uh, backstabbing and, and playing politics and playing games. It's about fighting for the right things. And, you know, I believe that Family First um, can build a, a support base which is going to stop those in the social left, whether they be Liberal or Labor, from being elected. Uh, and I think that is just so, so very important uh, to the future of this country. Bernie, obviously, I totally agree with that. And of course, that's why I'm in the party. This is the party of hope. And like you, mm. um, not for quite as long as you, but I tried my hardest to work from within the LNP. I've started my political career with the uh, Queensland Nationals, um, I was not able to get back into the party. I wasn't thrown out, but wasn't able to get back in after my time at Australian Christian Lobby and uh, then a brief stint with Cory Bernardi's party. It seems to me that they're happy to have Christians and Conservatives, so long as they are quiet Christians and Conservatives. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, that's where I think the strategy is a little bit flawed of trying to get within, they'll let you in, well, they'll let some people in, they won't let people like me in, uh, but mm. um, they'll let you in. But if you start to make a noise, that's when there's trouble, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I've got to tell you, Lyle, I don't want to get in. I've, I've, had, I've had enough of the Liberal Party uh, because I've seen what, uh, you know, I've seen how they treat uh, social conservatives. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, it's, and it's just appalling uh, the, the, the way that they have treated us as second-class citizens. As you say, They've taken our votes, they've taken our money, uh, they've, they've taken our support, but they give us nothing back. Uh, and and that, that is just not good enough. And, uh, you know, we've got to hold these people to account. And Family First is a great way of doing that. Yeah. Now, just, just to play, obviously, again, I'm in 100% agreement with you, but just to play devil's advocate again, because we get, you and I get these questions all the time. They see mm. um, our friend, uh, and he is a friend, Alex Antic in South Australia, yes. madly recruiting with Tony Passon. Good on yep. them. They're, yep. they're using the tools of democracy to encourage people to participate. It's a participatory democracy. Um, the mm. left don't like it. They see that as branch stacking or whatever. Um, it's just... Uh, but, but, but it is branch stacking for them. 
Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's recruiting uh, people into mm. the democratic process. So people will say, well, you know, isn't that a viable strat- strategy? If, if Alex Antic and, um, you know, we've just seen Amanda Stoker, uh, who's again is a friend, um, pre-selected to a very yes. winnable uh, Bayside yep. seat in Brisbane uh, to replace, mm. you know, you're my good friend, Dr. Mark Robinson. Yes, um, yep. Mark so will be missed. He will be missed, uh, but Amanda is mm. a worthy replacement. So there yes, are some yes. bright lights, um, and there's others that I haven't named. I could talk about Matt Canavan, etc. So mm. that, I think, can confuses a lot of people. They, they see these guys and think, well, let's hitch our wagon to, you know, the Liberal National Party because of these bright lights there. But why, why in your view, um, is that not a viable strategy? Yeah, well, people just have to look at the numbers. Sure, there are these people, such as Amanda, um, such as Matt, uh, who, who are just great. There's no, no question about that. But the overwhelming majority of Liberals um, are not. Uh, they are. They are quite the opposite. You know, they they believe in the same social program that the ALP believes in, that the Greens believe in. I mean, this is something that that we can't tolerate. I mean, if you join the Liberal Party, in fact, what you're signing up to is the same sort of uh, a social program as the ALP is pushing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I I crossed the floor. Uh, last year when when the um, conversion therapy bill was put through. But I was, uh, apart from Bev MacArthur, uh, I was the only Liberal who actually crossed the floor. Every other Liberal voted for the conversion therapy, one of the most appalling pieces of legislation that we've ever seen in any parliament. Uh, But, you know, that's what, if people join the Liberal Party, that's what they're signing up for. Exactly, Bernie. It's not going to change anytime soon. It's it's as simple as that. And just to remind people, that conversion therapy law, which you crossed the floor on so bravely with Bev, um, is a law that puts parents in jail if they try and stop their child from going to a gender clinic to have experimental puberty blockers, etc. And, of course, Matthew Guy, the Liberal leader, took that as policy supporting, saying this is a good bill. He took that to the last general election in November last year, and that policy hasn't changed. Didn't work very well at all. And and, and we've seen the same thing in in Queensland and other places. Um, Look, they take the wet lettuce leaf approach to opposing, you know, these gender self-ID laws, these conversion Mm, therapy mm. laws, even the the pro-abortion laws, but they don't really fight for any of these things, and and therein lies the problem. Well, Lyle, you know, I'm in Family First because I know that Family First is actually fair income about these sorts of issues. You know, we're not going to hold back. We, we are not going to uh, uh, go go soft at, the, at the, the first sign of trouble. We are going to go ahead. We're going to fight these things. And, you know, if we possibly can, we're going to win. And, you know, if we can use our preferences um, at the next election, at, at, at subsequent elections, um, to elect people into the, into the, uh, the coalition um, who... Um, uh, uh, feel the same way that we do, uh, that will be a great thing. That will be a great service that Family First will have done uh, to, to the country. And if we can have some of our own people elected, particularly to, to the Senate and to upper houses in, in the state parliaments, except Queensland, of course, uh, then, um, you know, that, that again will have been an enormous service uh, to, the, to the people of Victoria, so, or to the people of Australia, yeah. I should say. Yeah. So, so um, you know, pe- people should take that into account and, and join, get with the strength, as it were, because Family First really is the strong party in standing up for the sorts of issues that are important and, and that we believe in. Uh, you're not, you're not going to get that sort of support and that sort of, um, uh, that sort of uh, activity anywhere else in any other party, particularly the Liberals uh, and, and Labor. You're just not going to get it at all.
No, exactly right. And, and look, for our viewers' information, I'm quite happy to say this publicly. You are quite right. We are growing. We are getting stronger uh, by God's grace. Um, 32,000 supporters nationwide mm. now, uh, over 5,000 members of the party and uh, well over 1,000 donors. And uh, we're just going to keep building to achieve the things that you've just spoken about and particularly to get people like you, Bernie, uh, into the Senate uh, and to really start to shake things up uh, and to change politics. It cannot keep going the way it is. Bernie, um, just before we go, I notice you are wearing your no hat. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Australians will go to the polls, those who haven't yes. already voted uh, in this I've voice I've referendum. I've already voted. A big, a big N-O, I can tell you. Bernie, what happens on uh, tomorrow night and Sunday morning? How do we unify the country after this? Well, I think it's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of trouble to uh, to unify the country after this because uh, what we've seen over the past uh, probably six seven months uh, is a, a disintegration of unity in this nation, and this has been created by the prime minister himself. I have never seen a prime minister who has gone out of his way uh, to to create division in his own nation. I mean, already Albanese is the worst prime minister in the nation's history based on that alone. I mean, yeah. what, what he has done, he has gone around creating division wherever he has gone, black versus white, black versus black, white versus white. Yeah, it is It is just extraordinary what he has done. Uh, I, I don't believe he is fit to be prime minister. Uh, what I would like to see tomorrow night when he concedes defeat is his resignation. That's yeah. what he should do. I mean, if he if he was in the US, if he was in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in the UK, as we saw with David Cameron uh, after Brexit, uh, then, then uh, he would quit. Mm. He would quit. Uh, and if he, if he was, if he was any sort of decent, honourable human being, uh, having spent nearly four hundred million dollars of the of the taxpayers' uh, money uh, on on this wild, uh, fanciful, uh, fanciful uh, um, uh, trip that he's been on, uh, if, if he's any, if he's any sort of decent, reasonable person at all, um, he would resign uh, yeah. on uh, tomorrow night when. Um, when uh, the result comes up. Yeah, well, uh, I, I don't think we're going to see that, unfortunately, but uh, I think you're quite right. Um, I didn't think anyone could be worse than Kevin Rudd or Malcolm Turnbull, mm. but uh, there you have it. Um, I yep. think, ironically, Bernie, we might have seen the nation unite, actually, in an in a interesting sort of way, against uh, Albanese and against uh, the radical left's uh, chances, uh, uh, the, the radical left's um, trying to reshape our nation in their own image. And I think we'll see a lot of unity around the likes of uh, Jacinta Price. But uh, Bernie... Well, um, there, was a, there was a... Can I just tell you, you Lyle, there was a dear old lady yesterday, I was on pre-poll, and there was a dear old lady who I offered a card to and she said, oh, it's all right, dear. You don't need... I, I don't need one of those. We all know what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, <good laughs> And she honor. summed it up beautifully. Yeah. We all know what we're going to do. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to a good result and for unity uh, for the right reasons after uh, tomorrow night. Bernie, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for joining us from the gym. Thanks for uh, supporting the Richmond Football Club as you do so passionately. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll look forward to chatting again sometime soon. I'm back to the treadmill now, Lyle. <laughs> good on you. <laughs> Well, that's all we have time for today. Don't forget to make ADHTV your go-to for common sense commentary and analysis. This platform contains Australia's leading conservative voices, including the peerless Alan Jones, Fred Paul, Daisy Cousins, Nick Cater, and many more. For regular political commentary, you can go to the Family First blog at familyfirstparty.org.au. You can follow me on X at Lyle Shelton. Thanks so much for your company once again. Until next week, keep speaking up.